Hey guys, good evening. Welcome to the latest episode of the Magicast. I'm your host, Scott Munro. Welcome to episode 116. Uh, we are recording a day after a glorious, glorious win in Bergamo. Roma winning 4-1 at Jose Mourinho Masterclass, winning a game of football with just 29% possession against uh, Gasparini. Mourinho ball working at his finest. Uh, I'm not on my own tonight. I've got the wonderful Imran. How are we this evening? Oh, we're good. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be back. Welcome back after um, a, a busy I would say a week or so for yourself with work. Um, and we're just coming into the Christmas period ourselves where it's been manic. <laughs> Our lives, home lives and apologies if we weren't together recording. I did two episodes on my own. So we've almost got the gang back together. Um, hopefully um, Sam will join us in future pods. But yeah, we're going to talk about a wonderful win in Bergamo yesterday. So Roma won four one and took the lead after was it fifty five seconds with a Tommy Abraham goal. Nicolo Zaniolo silencing the critics and the haters uh, with his first goal of the season in Serie A. Uh, and then Luis Morial with a deflected effort before half time, which has been given to I think Brian Cristante own goal. Uh, Jose Palomino had a goal ruled out for offside, but there was a handball in the in the build-up from Duvan Zapata's header. And then just moments later, Chris Smalling, a.k.a. Chris Smaldini, all the Smallings, uh, pokes home from close range, and then Tavi Abraham with a fourth with 10 minutes to go. Um, Imran, you messaged me on WhatsApp with about three minutes to go going, what a performance. And I think my reply was, I did not see this coming. What the hell has happened? Um, is your jaw still on the floor after a day later? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was uh, yeah, unexpected. I would say I I didn't expect um, a result like that, but I would also say I didn't expect a performance like that because the first half I think we played with great intensity and um, we kept it really tight behind there. Uh, we applied pressure, uh, I think, in a much better way than we have and something that um, I expected us to do earlier in the season, but Mm -hmm. that we didn't do. And and then in the second half, naturally, when uh, um, when we conceded a goal uh, at uh, injury time, uh, first half, the... The, mem- the momentum turns and shifts in their favor. I mean, we saw in, in the second half, we saw that they were just trying to build on that first goal. But yeah, there was a moment, the one you mentioned, uh, which was ruled off offside. But apart from that, I think we did really well. I, when it was two, when we were 2-1 up, I was certain that we would lose 3-2, just like many other games this season. But instead, we went, we went on to win four one, and we were uh, we were really good on counterattacks, perhaps mm-hmm. because we faced a team that uh, were desperate and left a lot of space behind there. But we managed to capitalize that, and uh, this is something we we've been wanting to see all season, and we finally saw it. So uh, I, I still. I would have preferred to have a bit more possession because it, when you have more possession, it gives uh, you know, an image of your team being 
more in control. Um, I mean, we should be able to pass around the ball despite being uh, under pressure or the fact that Atalanta is a team needing to score. Uh, that was a bit unfortunate It's uh, because I think in the long run, this is not the way to go forward. I mean, having 29% possession because at some point uh, you need to take uh, the command more of the risks. game. Yeah, I mean, more risk. Yeah, more risk, but you have to take command of the game. And I think right now it's probably understandable because we don't have the midfield to do that. <laughs> And we don't have midfielders um, able to, uh, you know, play high-pressure game. Um, so that's understandable. Uh, but overall, perfect result. First win in Bergamo since uh, 2017. You stole my stat. I was going to quiz you on this afterwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it was uh, it was just the result we needed. And um, I think it will, I hope it will do wonders for the team and the confidence going into yeah, the, especially the last game before Christmas against Sampdoria. And then yeah. we'll see. Um, I wanted to ask you about the defense um, back three of Smallin, Mancini, and Ibanez. Um They were pivotal yesterday, wasn't it? Wasn't it against a team who loved to pass the ball and pass through the thirds and attack at will? Um, what was your thoughts on the defence? Because for me, I thought Chris Morner was man of the match. He did an ex- excellent man-marking job on Duvin Zapata, who has caused Roma a lot of problems in the last couple of visits to Bergamo, especially the one last season where he scored that absolute rocket of a goal, I think, to make it 3-1 in, that, in the 4-1 defeat. Like, uh, I think it was this time last year. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, um, he was, uh, I mean, Smalling was rock solid. He had, uh, you know, he, he brings something else to the defense. Uh, and it was quite obvious yesterday. So the three-man defense is working really good. It's working even better with uh, Smalling back there. Uh, so I, I was really happy with the defense. I think they defended exceptionally well. Um and, you know, Atalanta is not an easy team to defend against. And I think we managed to keep it really tight behind there. We didn't give them too much. We didn't give them any space. And the space they got, they weren't able to utilize that into, you know, anything productive because we positioned ourselves real well in defense, The especially the midfield, I would say, um, contrary to the pre- previous games. Uh, they contributed really well uh, in defense, and uh, I think that was ultimately the decisive factor. Veritus had a good game. Yeah, yeah. I think Mikitarian, his uh, work rate was insane. Um, Cristante, probably the weaker of the three. Mm, but a bit shaky. Think, yeah, but I think even he was, he had. Um, he he brought uh, stability. I wouldn't say his positioning in uh, in set pieces because that's where he was a bit shaky. But apart from that, I think he was he was all right. But poor of the the weaker of the other. I mean the midfielders. Um, I thought Matthias Vigneault had a really good game. I think he's coming into his own. Uh, I thought he played well against Spezia um, beforehand. I think he's really adapting to the role of the left wing back. Um, I wanted to ask you about Jose's tactics. Um, he's come under a bit of stick on 
with us. We've had interactions with Mourinho fans on social media. Um, I say we, mainly me and other people who do uh, Roma podcasts as well um, have criticised his tactics. But um, we can agree that he got his tactics spot on yesterday to play on the counter-attack against a team whose high defensive line is suicidal at times because they like to play man-to-man um like a man-to-man press in the in the back three um that's why it's made him so successful over the years and they start off the attack from the defense but i think he got it he got it spot on didn't he jose playing zaniolo with abraham and playing veritu and mkhitaryan who are quite quick and decisive breaking from breaking through the lines it was really effective yesterday wasn't it it was, it was, and um, you know, I, everything I said uh, just leading up to this question. I, I would also like to add that we have to remember that we took uh, we took the lead very early. I mean, the first minute, of course, that decides the nature. I mean, the course of the game because it will push because you don't need to score goals. So Atlanta will be the team taking more risk, having position. So. So that was that was quite obvious, but uh, I wouldn't say that uh, I wouldn't say we deliberately. I mean, I don't think Marini's plan was to have twenty nine percent possession, but of course, yeah. Uh, ultimately, the game because we we managed to get uh, two goals. Um, I would say relatively early, although Zaniolo's goal came. A bit into the first half, but that uh, that does uh, you know decide how the game is going to shape out because if you if you if you still expect us to have you know seventy percent possession, then uh, yeah, probably that's unfair, especially against Atalanta. But still, I would I would have liked to at least you know like thirty-five, uh, forty would have been more acceptable. Uh, despite having taken early because you need to be comfortable on the ball. You need to be able to withstand that pressure uh, and the high pressure that Atalanta play when they try to win back the ball. We need to be more confident in possession. That's something I would like to see more. But of course, that requires um, a different midfield, a different type of midfield, especially midfielders with more energy, uh, which I don't think we have. And that's not allowing us to play that type of football. But, but I mean... Uh, Credit to Mourinho for uh, for lining up the defense the way he did. I mean, making them uh, play the way he did because this is something we wanted from Mourinho. We knew that defensively he's a very good coach. He, his teams have historically been recognized for being very tactically solid, uh, organized, uh, and I think I would say it's the first time that I saw that yesterday. Uh, despite having you know won some games very comfortably, but yesterday was where we were really tested and challenged, and we managed to we managed to pass that test. So I, I'm curious to see how it will be going into you know, the second part of the season. Of course, we the squad is not up there, and Maureen has a point when he says that we we're not up there with Inter because they can bring 
completely different quality from bench, especially, especially experience. Sometimes I think we underestimate the value and importance of having experience, having someone, uh, you know, like Alexis Sanchez or Jake or uh, I won't say Kolarov, he hasn't played that much, but uh, these type of players, their presence in the dressing room uh, and also on the pitch, it uh, uh, it makes a difference. Yeah, totally agree. Um, I would just add a caveat to that. Do you reckon that's the best performance of Roma this season under Mourinho? Do you think that will top anything else that we've seen this season to date? I know it's pretty much a small sample size of 23, 24 games. Uh, yes. Uh, it's. Uh, I'm trying to think of the game, but I would say the, the, the counter-attacking football... Definitely, yes, it's by far the mm. best because uh, we took our chances. This is something we've been wanting to see more often, uh, taking our chances, Tammy Abram being effective, Zaniolo scoring, I mean, linking up well, good one-touch play. So offensively, uh, uh, yes, definitely, but also defensively, but I think defensively we've, we've had um, many good games. Mm. But I think this performance above all... Um, it's obvious when you score four goals against Atalanta away, there there is something in the attack that worked. So that was that was important. I think we just need to, you know, it might sound like a cliche. We just need to build on that mm-hmm. uh, and be effective because uh, because yesterday I uh, I think we saw uh, something that we have been wanting to see more from this Roma and we expected to see more from this Roma uh, in uh, especially in the counter-attacking phase of the game so I was very I was very pleased with that I hope I hope that they can continue like this and I think mentally it was very important uh, for Zaniolo. I think it can it would be like an unblock for him uh, in many, in the sense that he will you know, be more free and mentally relieved, and I think it will uh, it will make it easier for him going into the uh, second half of the season. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's good to have, as they say, the cliche, the monkey off the back of him scoring his first Serie A goal of the season. I know he's got a couple in the Conference League, but I think he was outstanding because Atalanta were trying to kick lumps out of him yesterday, the back three, Um, especially Palomino, who is a very touch-tight physical defender. Um, I wanted to ask you a question. Um, As as you said, the first that was the first win for Roma at Bergamo since 2017. Do you remember the goal scorer that day? In 2017? Yes. Oh. Uh, that was that was my quiz question to you, actually. Okay. <laughs> I don't even remember the game. Uh, I don't even... Roman won one now. Was it home or away? Was it was, it it was, uh, no. Same nationality. Oh, no, no. Same sort of nationality area. Uh, Kolarov. Yeah, Kolarov free kick under the free wall. Free kick. Under the wall. Yeah. Oh, yeah, um, I remember yeah. it now. Celebrated in front of the the curver, which has now been um, rebuilt, shall we say, and redeveloped into a wonderful away, a wonderful end behind the goal. Yeah, that was Roman's first win. Um, I, I think as probably you and me had it envisioned of Roma capitulations in Bergamo because it's happened quite a lot. That's happened the last few visits to Bergamo. Um, when Roma were 2 1 
up and when it went to 2-2 but was disallowed for VAR, um, I had envisions of the 2018-2019 game where Roma in the rain, I think it was January 2019, Roma was 3-0 up thanks to goals from Stefano Shawari and Ed and Dzeko. You can probably guess what the scoreline was at, at full time. It was 3-3. I think Duvan Sapata scored uh, the equaliser right at the end. And then in 2020, Roma won it up and then lost 2-1 thanks to Mario Pasalic late goal. I think it was his first touch of the game. And last season, Roma won it up. Edin Dzeko scored. Um, Leonardo Spinazzola missed a chance at 2-0. And Atalanta brought on Joseph Pilicic and it completely changed the game and won 4-1. So and when, that, when the second half was going on, I had envisions of that happening. But... Roma stood, stood strong um, and won the game 4-1. And it was probably the most important win of the season as it took Roma to fifth in Serie A, just five points behind uh, Napoli, who were kicking off momentarily away at AC Milan. It's uh, an injured 11 versus an injured 11. But, um, yeah, did you, was you like me in run? Did you have envisions of a capitulation at some point? But it wasn't in the end. Yeah, definitely. Especially when they scored two one, I was like, "Okay, here we go again." <laughs> Especially with the the proven track record at, at Bergamo with Roma, but uh, we get we get uh, come out with a win. One of the best away performances I've seen with this season under Mourinho. It's, it was uh, it was brilliant. I think I was still celebrating, still on cloud nine now, and I still don't know what happened. To be honest. <laughs> Imagine going away and winning winning away at a top four side who had done brilliantly in the last couple of seasons and winning with 29% possession. Feels like I'm in 2010 all over again and watching Jose Mourinho's Inter winning away at Barcelona in the Champions League. But (laughs) I will take it. As I tweeted it out yesterday, I'm not mad. I will take it because that win yesterday was outstanding. Um, we were going to do a preview of the, the Sampdoria game on Wednesday, but I will pass this on to Sam, who has got an excellent guest. He's got the excellent Vito Doria uh, of Forza Italian Football and Between the Lines, um, who is a, a massive Sampdoria fan. Um, they are recording later on, and I will pass this on to Sam. Uh, Imran, thank you once again for joining me on this on this Sunday evening. Um a pleasurable podcast recording, isn't it? Went after a Roma win. Yeah, definitely. It's been a, it's been a long time. <laughs> it's been a long time coming. I think that was Roma's third or fourth away win in the season in Serie A, if my memory serves me right. But yeah, that was brilliant. And it was the third win in a row. And hopefully coming into Wednesday game, which I've just read, it's going to be up to 46,000 at the Olympico for a half Perfect. past six. For a half past six kickoff on a Wednesday, where Lazio kicked off at the same time and had problems, I know Roma fans will jaunt at that, but that's probably the one of the worst kickoff times to, in the in the capital, where people are probably finishing at work at a, a different time. But yeah, I will I will query that Imran. It's been it's been a pleasure. It's been a good episode. We've talked about some good things tonight, and ah. Uh, oh, it's great, isn't it? Well, after a Roma win, it's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it, it, it cannot be done better. Oh, no, it can't. Uh, I will pass this on to Sam, who will preview Wednesday's fi- uh, game against Sampdoria, Roma's final game 
of 2021 and it's the final week round midweek round sorry of the Saria action before the uh midwinter break so i'll pass this on to sam and vito always remember Roma and ciao ciao all right now we're with vito Doria. Thank you, Vito, very much for uh, joining us today. Uh, Vito is a big Sam Doria fan, contributor for Forza Italian Football Podcast and Breaking the Lines. Uh, thank you for taking the time, Vito. Uh, you're welcome, Sam. Uh, especially with Christmas coming up, you know, it's uh, to find time, but uh, unfortunately, I'm here and I'm looking forward to the chat that we're going to be having. Yeah, on the chat on an interesting Sampdoria. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Sampdoria season so far. Has been disappointing. Uh, they won the, the big boost winning, uh, winning the derby not long ago. Uh, a disappointing result earlier today. We're recording on a Sunday evening after uh, Sampdoria tie against Venezia. It was a disappointing tie, the way it happened. Late in the match, very disappointing. We'll be getting into it. But uh, tell us a little bit of, on, on, the broader, on the broader term. Uh, what do you make of Sampdoria's season so far? I think it has been disappointing because uh, we're just above the relegation zone. And uh, I think ideally the type of club Sampish mid-table should be the main goal or the main objective. But uh, it hasn't been an easy start under new coach Roberto Daversa. I think sometimes we played some fantastic football and looked competitive against big teams. But there are times that uh, we look very leaky or disorganized in defense. We just seem too open. And although we're great attacking, I think defensively that's where our problems lie. I also think that... Uh, there have been some games, especially like the defeat away to Kayeri. Uh, I think that was very disappointing. So consistency is another problem for us. But I think we have some experienced players like Antonio Candreva and Francesco Caputo that are important. And uh, Albin Ecto is a very good midfielder for us. So I think those experienced guys will probably help us out. And there are a few who are a bit younger they can still make some solid contributions. But consistency is certainly a big issue for us. And that the draw against Venezia, that was a bit disappointing, especially you know, we came so close to getting another win. And uh, to win, especially after a derby, it's always good to get, get the consistency going. You know, it's a tough question when you say deserve, but would you think that it was the deserving tie by the end by Venezia? Because they seem to push, at, uh, towards the, especially towards the end. Uh, look, uh, I don't mind Venezia as a team. They have a lot of unknown players or players that are lacking in Serie A experience, but they've been strong against uh, some of the big boys in Serie A. And, uh, they haven't been lacking personnel, well right? No. Nah. No, um, they don't play with fear. They're well organized and uh, they're happy to take risks. So I think uh, when you consider that they did well against uh, teams like Roma and Juventus and a few others, you'd think that uh, even going to Genoa and playing Sampdoria, um, that would still be a chance for them to at least get a point and they got the point. Why do you see? Let's get into Wednesday. 
um, 46,500 fans that will be at the Olympico. It was reported today. Um, what are the... What match the the Sampdoria need to play to get a positive result uh, in in the Olympico on Wednesday? Uh, for Sampdoria, it would be actually to not be afraid of the atmosphere at the Olympico and actually try and attack the Giallorossi. I think that uh, with uh, Jose Mourinho, Roma are going to be a team that's you know generally strong defensively, but I think Roma have played some. Open football, they're capable of playing entertaining football, even under Mourinho, who's had a reputation for being pragmatic and conservative. But uh, Sump don't do well when they sit back and defend. Sometimes it looks like the Sump defense looks like a bunch of training cones. So I think uh, Sump under Diversa have looked the best when uh, they are putting pressure on the opposition, even against teams like Juve and Inter and a few others. So I think it's a matter of, yeah, just trying to make it an end-to-end contest. If uh, either side tries to um, make it into a defensive game, I think uh, they're only going to put pressure on themselves and invite trouble as well. I don't think uh, any either side, especially Sump, should just uh, try and wait for the best moments to just hit on the counter-attack. What are what are Sampdoria's at this point of the season after eighteen rounds, right? Uh, what are Sampdoria's strengths and weaknesses? You would say at this point. Uh, the strengths, I think, um, are attacking. I think that going forward, uh, there's a strong team there. Um, having Alben Ekdal creating the play midfield or being that playmaker, I think he brings stability, experience, and. Uh, a more precise passing than Adrian Silva, the Portuguese midfielder. Antonio Candreva has been in fantastic form. He supplied uh, quite a few assists and he scored some lovely goals as well. So a lot of teams have had trouble containing him despite his age. And although he's 34 years old, he still looks like he's full of energy and uh, he's been quite decisive for the Blue Cerchiati. Uh, Fabio Quayarella, look, he's starting to get old, but uh, having Francesco Caputo and uh, Manolo Gabbiadini when he's fit, they're, you know, they're good forwards. I think with them, they just need the service. And I reckon in the second half of the season, uh, I reckon if we can get Mikel Damsgaard, the Danish winger back, I think that would be a big bonus, you know, to help create more chances and also score goals out of nothing. As for weaknesses, I think the defence is a problem, as I pointed out earlier. Although individually, I don't think they're the worst defenders in the league. I think that um, just the organisation under the virus has been poor. Uh, just the awareness is bad, regardless if opposition, the opposition's attacking from the wings or down the middle. For some reason, they can't make basic tackles or interceptions, which is a shame. Um, but putting that aside, uh, Tommaso Algello is a excellent attacking left back. So although he's vulnerable defensively, at least uh, going forward, he does offer something. So that's probably a positive about the defence. But uh, yeah, I think the obvious weakness is the back line. And although Emil Del is a good goalkeeper and can make a few saves, I don't think he gets enough protection, which is unfair for someone of quality. 
And um, let's shift uh, gears into Roma uh, from a Sampdoria point of view. I don't know if you watch every Roma match this season, but um, from what you've seen of Roma, of Mourinho, uh, what do you make of them? Um, that was a big statement win, probably the first big statement win under Mourinho and the first st big win in a long time. We were talking about it in my Spanish podcast and we we're basically in over three years. You have to go all the way back to the Francesco to 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 think of a of a big big win like that from Roma. Um, so what do you make of them this season so far? Are they a Champions League contender or you think they're going to end up uh, on the European and the Euro Europa League? I'm sorry to cut you off. That's okay. I do think Roma are inconsistent and because of that, I think at the moment they are a Europa League side. Uh, it's a bit of a pity though because Mourinho, we've talked about him before, that uh, he's a great coach and he has a successful record. He's won so many trophies around Europe. So to have someone with ex experience and image is a big draw card from Roma, for Roma, and he can uh, do something with the team to give them a bit of confidence and organize them well. Uh, I think one of the problems is that the players, they're not always performing well. Just, uh, or just you know, sometimes uh, with the forwards, for instance, uh, Abraham and Shamura Dov, you know, sometimes they're good, sometimes they're not. Uh, Racing coaches at Roma have a lot of faith in Brian Cristant in midfield, but uh, he's not a consistent performer or he doesn't play as well as the others. I also think that if Lorenzo Pellegrini was able to stay fit, I think that will make a big difference because he had a great start of the season and uh, Mourinho's got big belief in Pellegrini. So if, uh, if he can be fully fit and uh, he can uh, keep performing well, I think uh, that will help... Roma at least qualify for the Europa League and if they can challenge for the Champions League um, that would be a bonus yeah like I've been As saying let's stay with the striking general, distance like, right with, mm. within striking distance in, in yeah. February March we'll assess where we are and then we can make a final push mm. yes um, what do you make of Tammy Abraham season so far First season, you know, he was struggling a little bit, but his numbers are starting to he's starting to he's starting to score goals. What do you make of the British forward? Like I was discussing on the podcast I usually appear on, the Forza Italian football podcast, um, I did have some early doubts about Abraham because um, he's coming from the Premier League and look, he looked like a good striker there from what I could see, especially when he was being coached by Frank Lampard. But uh, the British footballers usually struggle going from the Premier League or even in the past as the old English First Division and coming to Serie A to play in a more technical and tactical league. It's very hard for them to adjust because they're so used to pace and physicality. Uh, so far from what I've seen, I think uh, he's got the attributes to become a complete forward. Also, having a coach like Mourinho, who's coaching the Premier League, can speak English, I think it helps Abraham because uh, I'm just assuming Abraham doesn't know much Italian at all. So to have an English-speaking coach, I think that would make it easier for him to understand the instructions and trying to find a way to fit in the team. But also looking at how Abraham plays, I think you know he's got a good frame on him, good strength, he's fast. I think um, with a bit more polishing and... Also, a bit more time to adjust in Serie A 
I think he can be a very complete forward and uh, defenders uh, might have more difficulty trying to control him because he's got the speed and uh, he knows how to get into the scoring positions regularly. He has, a, like you said, I think he has the trust of the coach, which is the most important thing, right? Um, Definitely. I, I, I'm very excited to see him and Saniolo uh, grow together and hopefully, hopefully they can stick around for a long time. Um, Vito, before we go, I have a couple questions from uh, Scott Monroe, the, our host here at La Magicas. Um, he has a questions and on, he wants to t takes us a little bit outside the pitch because uh, there were some news okay. that not long ago, and you probably know where I'm going with this uh, about Massimo Ferrero arrest. Um, he had to uh, stop being, uh, he had to quit being uh, the president of Sandoria. For the ones, for the Romanisti, they have not been involved. Uh, can you tell us, can you summarize, can you try to summarize the story and see uh, where Mar Massimo Ferrero stands right now? Okay, so it's not easy to give a simple explanation, but uh, he was president of Sampdoria for seven years. Um, during his time at the club, there were often reports about him having these financial issues outside of football. So there was this one airline called Livingston Energy Flight, which suffered a bankruptcy and he had involvement in it. So he's been charged for these alleged financial crimes. And uh, one of them is her fraudulent bankruptcy in regards to this airline. So there are many other issues that have complicated his uh, tenure as Sampdoria president. Uh, he's had his apartment seized a long time ago and a few suspended sentences in regards to all these uh, financial issues that he's been accused of. So it's, uh, yeah, I think with the lack of financial stability, off the pitch, it got some Doria fans, especially in Genoa, very worried. When he came to the club in June 2014, he said he was an ambitious man. He wanted to improve the team and uh, he wanted the team to succeed and also made the claim it, the team would win a trophy within five years. But uh, obviously that hasn't happened. Uh, we've just continued becoming a selling club. And uh, with his arrest in uh, early November, and now being forced to step down as Sampdoria president. It's a big relief for the Blue Cerchiati fans. And it does give a bit of hope that uh, not only is his time at the club over, but also uh, the club can rebuild all. Right. There Even are, there if are uh, the financial situation is bad, we greener. can actually try and get back on our feet. Yeah. Absolutely. That's Absolutely. it, yeah. Greener pastures, broader horizons, that kind of thing. Yeah. Excellent. Well, um, he also has a question about bringing you back to the pitch of Daversa because he recently switched from the 43 from to the 422. Uh, experimenting, what is he doing there? Hmm. For most of his coaching career so far, Daversa has used the 433 formation when he was coaching in the lower divisions, for instance. Uh, coaching uh, Lanciano in Serie B and also when he brought Parma from Serie C back up to Serie A, he often used the 43. Every time he tried to change formation, everything would just uh, fall apart. So I think he tried to go to the 4-3-3 at some, at some stage, but uh, from what I'm assessing, 
Ranieri laid down some decent foundations, the players are suited to the 4-4-2 that Ranieri was using. So I think in that regard, uh, Diversa probably didn't see much change or point in changing the formation just to suit what he needed. Uh, that team is suited to 4-4-2. We've got the wide midfielders for it. And we also got forwards for a two-man attack. I don't think we've got the wide forwards to play a traditional 4-3-3. Yeah. I have a question on my own now because you spoke of uh, okay. Ranieri. How do Sampdoria fans see Claudio Ranieri? I think there's a lot of gratitude for what he did in the two seasons he was at the club. He brought stability and also with the players that he had to work with to get the team into the top half of the table at the end of last season was an impressive achievement. He's been at much stronger teams, more ambitious teams throughout his career. So to come to us at the time that he did and to replace Eusebio Di Francesco, uh, I think that's uh, something that uh, we can appreciate. Which is really ironic because a few months before, mm. he came <laughs> when he came to replace Eusebio Di Francesco at a really, really heated time at Rome too. Uh, yes. Obviously, his history with Rome is very long and Roma fans, we... We love him, and you know uh, he'll he'll have a place in, in our heart forever, uh, Mr. Ranieri. Uh, Vito, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, thank you for taking the time. We really appreciate it. And before we go, I know you are on the Force Italian podcast, uh, br breaking the lines. But uh, you tell us where can we find your work? Yes, so um, of course there's the Force Italian Football website. Uh, I write a lot of articles for that, news articles, match reports features so yeah, go there for that stuff especially the weekly podcast where we review every round of Serie A action uh, breaking the lines I do much longer feature articles usually around a thousand words but mostly about different players and things like that and uh, yeah on Twitter my handle is uh, Vito C. Doria and uh, I also have an Instagram I've got a new account now called official Vito Doria so Uh, I'm there as well. Hopefully in, in another episode we can sit down for a little longer. You can tell us your story with, with Sampdoria and, and why you're a fan of Sampdoria. I even see, I mean, we're doing video. I even see the back of your your your, 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 your wall in the back is blue. Yeah, that's my With the Sampdoria colors. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's I excellent. I haven't got the hoops though. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much, Vito, for taking the time, everybody. Thank you so much. Um, you can find us on La Magicas, lamagicas.com, La Magica, at La Magicas on Twitter. We're on every, every uh, major podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Teacher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio. Um, thank you so much, Vito, again. Thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, Forza Roma. Ciao. Ciao.